Welcome to the MTS podcast. There are 5 billion people on earth. You don't have to achieve success alone. This podcast is a time out from the hustle of your daily life. We pick the brains of some of the most influential professionals in the world. We are constantly inspired by their stories and success. Everyone is a teacher in some way. So take a moment to learn from another each day. Drew Hammond is an accomplished curator and art historian. He's the director of one of the most prestigious galleries in Los Angeles. The first time I met him, he was curating an art show for Philip Lackenman at the MTS Art Night two years ago. He was brilliant, and everyone fell in love with how he shed light on art. Today, we are here to take a look at Los Angeles art scene and discuss how LA's unique cultures inspires and influences its art at my favorite spot in Hollywood, my office terrace. Talking about the technique for looking at a work of art, and the first thing is I do believe that it is a technique. And I think it's a technique that can be taught. Uh, and I, I even think it can be taught very quickly and very easily. Um, but I think with the technique alone, uh, someone uh, can be quite competent in looking at art in a way that certainly increases uh, one's enjoyment of looking at it. And I, I think ultimately uh, uh, that's perhaps the most important rationale because part of that enjoyment is also uh, the way it provokes one's thought and, and the way one um, has access to certain ideas that are implicit in a work of art, ideas that can only properly be expressed through that work of art. Um, so I think with those basic techniques, um, all those things are possible. But, but, you know, I mean, again, I still believe that, you know, you, you are a very generous person. And I have to be honest with you, like 500 of the attendees at the Beverly Hills Art Night, they give me positive feedback. And well, that's, that's, of them. that's an honest truth. 500 attendees, they were so happy. They, they really looked at you. Uh, they were saying like this... Uh, gentleman, this uh, Mr. Drew, he did an amazing job in explaining to us why these lines in this, in these you know pieces, why they are exist, what was the difference is, and this was really it, it amazed, and that's what encouraged me and say like we will have something special for all our community, in our art community, to to hear. Uh, um, Mr. or to to read about Mr. in, in really like in, in, in details. So let me ask you this. I'll, I'll go with you this later, but let's have like so. What's inspire you to become a, a curator? I, I always uh, loved uh, looking at art uh, mm -hmm. from uh, the time I was very young, and um, I, I found that uh, artists were um, uh, people who were um, my favorite people to hang out with. Um, so, invariably, when you hang out with artists, you end up uh, uh, talking not always about art, but uh, often you do, and you get to see the work from their point of view, and at the same time, you even get to see uh, areas in which um, perhaps they're somewhat blind, which, which might be the point of view of other people mm -hmm. <laughs> looking at art. But um, in that way, I, I gradually became accustomed to it, and. I was very lucky to, um, uh, from an early age, to travel to a lot of places where um, th there was a, an extremely um, uh, important art history 
uh, so many countries in Europe and in China and uh, this gave me a certain diversity and I gradually understood that despite the huge cultural diversity uh, in artistic production um, it was inevitable that you see that there are certain kinds of principles that uh, art production uh, has in common principles that transcend uh, uh, the differences in culture and that's one of the great things about art too that I find so appealing that it does allow everyone from every culture and I would argue every level of education uh, to to come together and to enjoy something uh, often in a communal way as much as in an individual way and uh, this is something um, magical and gradually I gra I started to understand that uh, it, it, it's really through culture that we define our humanity and therefore uh, this is not only an enjoyable activity but it, it's, a, it's a very important activity. Let me ask you this, so what do you think are the differences between uh, artists and curators? Well of course um, the production of art involves a certain measure of immediacy. That's not to say that artists don't think about it uh, and are devoid of self-conscious reflection. But from everything I've been able to determine, um, the actual aesthetic act, it, it, at least in its inception, uh, has a very strong element of immediacy. And some people call that inspiration or imagination or um, uh, a muse. Or, uh, they have different ways of describing it. But this immediacy, at least in the inception, it, you, it's very important. Let, let me ask you mm. this. Do you think they share the same theoretical background? Or? No, no. Okay. Uh, not at all. Okay. Uh, the, the curator, on the other hand, is someone mm -hmm. who, uh, who, whose work involves, uh, by curator, of course, I mean not only who only takes care of artworks, but also mm -hmm. who, who writes about them and thinks about them and, and tries to make them um, generally intelligible. Mm -hmm. uh, such a person, such an act is not immediate. Uh, it involves self-conscious reflection. Uh, and that's something that comes ex post facto. In that sense, it's a secondary activity uh, to the artist's work, which is to create a primary source. I see. And how do you get into this field? Like, what, what was your journey? Um, I came to it through art criticism. The way I came to art criticism, of course, when I say criticism, I, I don't mean uh, the sort of uh, activity of judging, judging whether a work is good or bad. I never do that. It's not, it's not for me to say to someone whether they should like something, which I think is a very personal choice and alien to the activity of the critic. Um, when I talk about being a critic, I, I, I think like many writers, I, I always think that it's more uh, about simply analysis. And, and do you have like a role model, curator, or someone you admire in a ways? Yes. Or, okay. Um, tell tell uh, us a little bit about who was uh, this. Model. Well, most people who are engaged in art criticism, they have uh, role models who are uh, perhaps art critics or, mm -hmm. or art historians, which is a related field to be sure. Um, not in my case. I, in my case, it's, it's a great literary critic. And that would be Eric Auerbach, who um, uh, was... Um, one of the most brilliant literary scholars uh, that I think Germany ever produced in the 20th century and of course he um, uh, being being a great thinker uh, 
and uh, also a Jew, uh, he was also um, uh, compelled to, to leave Germany um, uh, with the rise of Hitler. And he found himself in Istanbul, where he had fled, uh, at a time when Istanbul was a sort of sleepy backwater, um, uh, a town of less than half a million people, um, instead of the town of 16 million it is now. And um, it didn't, it had wonderful uh, library resources for researching the Ottoman Empire, but not many resources for researching so many other things at that time. And uh, he found himself only with the primary sources um, of his literary investigations. Uh, and, and so everything that he wrote was based on a very close reading of those sources themselves without very much appeal to external criteria. And, and that's the way very often I, I look at it, I try to look at a piece of art. And how do you describe your approach to curating? When it comes to curating a, an exhibition, you have to consider um, the selection of the artist or artists if it's a group show. And uh, you have to consider the presentation strategy. In other words, the way the work is deployed in, in a space and, and its implications. Um, uh, most curators look at it, they start with an idea. And the problem with that is that um, very often it, it, um, the show becomes a, an illustration of a curator's idea. I try to avoid that. I tried to uh, to make a show that in which an idea comes instead from the works of art themselves, and the works of art are grouped together in order to illuminate the idea that is already inherent in them. And and if if I ask you, I mean, you are the expert, and the feedback we got was really phenomenal. So, what's the most challenging part of being an art curator? Um, I, I would say, um, from my point of view, the most mm -hmm. challenging part is to to make truly contemporary shows. That is to say, exhibitions that truly reflect uh, the most um, contemporary work, and to understand how that most contemporary work is a really the most representative work of this time and why and what it has to do with this time and, and what motivates you uh, and what motivates your research and curatorial work now let's say about the most recent project you created what was the motivation in your uh, research uh, for me I noticed an enormous shift in the center of gravity of the strategy mm -hmm of artistic production uh, that seems to be popping up among whom I consider the most intelligent and the most talented artists, or many of them at least, mm -hmm. uh, simultaneously in many different parts of the world. And I began to question the implications of that phenomenon mm -hmm. and also to ask myself why it should happen at this moment in history that for me became a very important um, inquiry. And what are the fundamentals, you know, principles when you are considering, you know, a project or when you are being invited to... The ideas. The ideas. Uh, I, I always um, 
consider the ideas. If it's contemporary, it's for reasons that we've already outlined, but if it's more historical, then I would hope to address ideas that have been in some sense um, either misinterpreted or neglected. And, and how do you describe the LA art scene? What do you like most about well, it? I would say that's a very big question. Mm -hmm. um, certainly one can describe it from many points of view. Um, my own impression of it is that um, LA is one of the three most important centers of artistic production in the world today, along with Berlin in Europe and, and I would say Beijing in Asia. Um, yes, it's to be sure there's some diffusion, but the real centers are, um, are those three cities. And I would say that each one uh, reflects in many ways the cities in which this production occurs. So in, in LA, the great thing about it is that the artistic production here reflects that immense, immense diversity of LA, which is a diversity that's not only ethnic, cultural, uh, linguistic, um, but it also it, it, it's a diversity um, even of, of geography. Um, because in close proximity you have you have the sea, you have mountains, you have the desert, you have um, you have tropical, you have temperate, you have um, uh, desert. Um, all, all these elements are um, present uh, as sources of artistic production. I would say historically, um, at least uh, in the post-war, um, LA had huge, two huge dominant currents. Uh, which now artists are rebelling against uh, w with uh, great vigor. Um, uh, those currents were, on the one hand, um, you could say were embodied by artists like Robert Irwin and Mary Corse. Um, they were philosophical in a sense. They were um, about this notion of uh, the work of art being realized entirely in the perception of the viewer. A very theoretical idea. Uh, w which was a response to certain uh, unsolved questions uh, that afflicted uh, East Coast minimalism. Um, and then you have another current in LA. For me, the great paradigm of, of that current is David Hammonds, who originally was an LA artist. Um, and, and, and that's a current of a very informed social engagement. Could you, could you tell us, uh, you know, about the current Philip Blackman's exhibition? Like, I know you did an amazing job uh, during the night. So, just like if you would like to describe the exhibition in one or two phrases, would you? Uh, well, I would say, um, in one uh, in one sense, the first thing that people ask is, is this the same artist? Mm -hmm. Because there was a great formal diversity in the work, and that's part of a strategy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, from the standpoint of an artist like Lachenmann and many people who have a certain kinship with his works, mm -hmm. to make work that is recognizable, that it has a consistent style or medium or genre, uh, to him is ultimately um, inimical uh, to uh, aesthetic aims because it's ultimately a market-driven phenomenon in which, which falls into the trap of having work uh, that in, 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 in which, as it were, the uh, the medium determines its content, and rather rather than the reverse. 
uh, his idea is that no, the, the important thing is uh, the idea and one should devise an appropriate medium um, or select an appropriate medium in order uh, to, to launch that. The second thing about Lachman that's very important is that his work has a kinship with an enormous um, uh, uh, number of artists who are working today and that kinship has to do with um, a different strategy a different overall strategy of making art. It used to be that people would just, art was a, a synthesis of a complex of tensions um, and the challenge was to make those tensions available through the most formally economical means. Um, now, uh, with Lachman and so many other artists uh, who, who work as he does, uh, instead, the, the overall strategy is to represent, the work of art should represent a narrative of the artists choosing or making. And the reason why this is uh, important, I think, is because we have a very whole, uh, old idea in the West that a work of art is fully constituted to the degree that it's made by the artist. Uh, to the extent that it has to depend on something that's already there, that's not made by the artist, well, it's, according to this old idea, it's a little bit diminished. But here we have a, a situation in which, because the work represents a narrative made by the artist, even what's being represented is made by the artist. This is new. Okay. This question actually came from one of the uh, audience. He, he, he wanted me to ask you, what's your favorite piece in the exhibition? Uh, I would say, uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, perhaps the, 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 this is a, a little bit. <laughs> I know, but like I mean, uh, like they asked me to ask you, and I said I will add it. Uh, you know, the, the the great uh, scholar of Japanese literature, Donald Keane. People would ask him what's his um, mm -hmm. favorite Japanese author, uh -huh. and um, in response to that question, he would always name an author who didn't really exist for fear <laughs> of offending uh, his friends. And this is different, of course, because it asks about a particular piece in exhibition. Um, I, for me. Um, I suppose uh, the the eclipse pieces, the eclipse pieces um, on Roger Casement and the narrative of his tragic history of having been executed by the British in 1916. Um, this is a figure that's almost forgotten today, but he was someone who was a, an extraordinary pioneer in being anti-discrimination, anti-discrimination based on, on race, on sexuality, on, on religion, on ethnicity, um, anti-imperialist, um, anti-colonialist, and anti-war. And for these things he was executed. This piece, uh, these two pieces of the eclipse, um, they, in a very beautiful and poetic way, uh, they synthesize all these elements of the narrative. And I, I find them uh, for this reason also extremely moving and and what do you hope you know people what the takeaway from the show what you was hoping from people to get out of the show uh, the one th the thing that I think is very important is the show is that I, I would like people to understand a theme that tr is throughout the show in all its works which is that one really ought not to take for granted the simple fact of seeing something 
Instead, it becomes important to understand not only the context in which we see something, but also the very means through which we we perceive it. Because all those things are very important in understanding what it is we see and also in preventing ourselves from being manipulated by other people who are very clever in controlling those things. Well, this is a personal question, probably. So what do you like to do outside of the work? <laughs> uh, besides work? Besides uh, work. What do you like to do outside? We just want to know, uh, Drew, the expert that we saw at the MTS Beverly Hills Art Night. That night, he was, you know, an amazing figure. I love movies. Okay. Uh, I've always loved movies. And uh, I, I love seeing them on the big screen. And so I and and I love seeing them with surround sound and and uh, IMAX and all these things and I I love all kinds of movies especially um, uh, popular movies uh, I also love some to some degree art cinema but I I love all movies because I think all movies are uh, wonderful reflections of so many things of what we are today including our technological development and our values and so I always find them intriguing. A really valuable this time with you, Mr. Drew tonight. Our, but like, let me ask you one one last question. Like, do you have any advice for emerging curators? If you'd like to give well, an advice I, to an emerging I, curator, like someone I, who just I, gets started. I still think of myself as a kind of a student, so I'm hesitant to All be presumptuous enough. believe that way, but I would like <laughs> to have an advice from you. I always feel presumptuous in trying to, to give other people advice, but um, I hope that curators would allow the work to speak to them first and make their shows based on what the work tells them. Well, I mean, it was very lovely and it was an important conversation that we just had. Thank you so much, Drew, for this amazing time. Thank, Thank you, you very so much, much for having me. Thank you.